Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Hello. Welcome back. It's good to see you all. Uh, as you probably know by now, we have been doing a mix this semester on our Sundays and Wednesdays of Isaiah and also the Minor Prophets, mixed in with some testimonies. Testimony story, where has God intersected in your life? What is the thread that God is weaving through your life uh, that we hear from students and alum? And it is one of my most favorite things that happens here. Uh, that's tonight, testimony. Um in quietness and rest is your strength is something I think about. When I think about Emma Bushery from the days when she was a wee apprentice to all the way now, big grown-up speaker uh, lady, she has been a very important, solid, stable, quiet part of this community. We're very glad that she is here to share her testimony, Emma Bushery. It's good to see all of you. Um, so my name is Emma, otherwise known as the stealer of Emily's bread. <laughs> you willingly gave it to me, Emily. No choice there. Um, so a little bit about me. I am a graduate student in the Masters of Arts and Education. Um, so that means I'm studying to be a middle and high school band director. Um, I'm also in IFG, the International Focus Group. <laughs> And um, I'm also a small group leader with the wonderful Shane Hawkins. Shout out to our small group. I am very fond of you all. Um, yes, this is my family. Um, we have Andrew on the left, that's my brother, my mom, Tracy, my dad, Kevin, and that's me. Yeah, so, and, and the wise words of Emily Halas about two weeks ago, they are definitely a part of my life. A significant portion, I might add. <laughs> All right, so I have some titles for you all. Quite a bit. Um, the Land of the Good, A Penguin Among Eagles, Until My Neck Hurts. Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, Who's the Goodest of Them All? Are these titles even good enough? And take that read, I have six titles. Wait, no, seven. <laughs> Hit, beat that. All right, will you guys pray with me? Lord, you are so good. May all who have ears to hear be reminded of this through the words you have given me. Amen. Growing up, I had a best friend. I still do. Her name is Courtney. Our lives, which have always been so intertwined, have hit a small fork in the road as she has started a family and I am trudging along on my sixth year of college. Woo-hoo. We were always called two peas in a pod by old ladies at our church. We were like Velcro, always by each other's side. Our friendship was unique in the way that we never ever fought throughout elementary, middle, and high school. She was a refreshing presence in my life and with whom I never had to worry about strife. Except there was one thing. She was better than me at everything. Drawing, spelling, academics. She's a full-blown adult now with a house, husband, and two kids, and dang it, she even beat me in height. She's so tall. <laughs> Until one fateful day in my 11th year of living, I waltzed myself into a music store and my family rented a flute for me. I took off with it. I soared with flying colors. 
It came naturally to me and it was my thing, you know, the thing that I had for myself. Courtney started the flute a couple months later, but I had the leg up. I was better than her, finally. I was the one giving her tips and tricks for how to sound better, and I felt good, prideful. Until, that fateful word, until I wasn't better than her. As years went on, Courtney took flute lessons, and by the time high school rolled around, she was the one soaring with flying colors, and I was on the ground looking up. My thing wasn't my thing anymore. I often find myself in this posture, in most areas of my life, actually. I feel as though I am on the ground, modeling my way through life in the trenches while I am constantly looking up, seeing everyone around me flying high in the clouds, excelling at whatever they do. My neck hurts. If you know anything about me, you might know that I make anything a competition. I just want to be good at something. I want to be the goodest. Though it's a joke, I turn dancing, high fives, and title making into a competition. A small part of me wants to get just a foot off the ground to join the others in this so-called land of the good. This darkness of not feeling good enough didn't fully plague my life in my early years. It was a small cloud in the back of my mind that only occasionally affected my life. Despite Courtney having the upper hand with flute, I did excel in my own right. Courtney and I went to different high schools, and so I grew up being first chair flute every single year of middle and high school, and even made first chair in honor bands most years. I held on tight to this feeling as I was soaring above my peers. It became my identity, the treasure of my heart. I was good at flute, the best, if you will. Until I wasn't, but we'll come back to that, though. <laughs> We are going to fast forward to college. Ah, uh, yes, Missouri Baptist University. You may have heard me talk about this. My home that lasted for only two years, but at which made an incredible impact on me. Missouri Baptist was like a glorified CCF. Friends with the same faith all around you all the time. Teachers who brought everything back to the gospel. School-wide worship every Thursday. For me, though, it was a breeding ground of complacency. I was very comfortable. I was comfortable in my faith and who I was and was not looking for change. I was soaring high. Everything was as it should be. Until. Until I was very explicitly confronted with the innate not good enoughness of myself, my sophomore year by my roommate. Up to this point, I was a little too comfortable with myself. I did things when I wanted to do them regardless of what it meant for other people. With my roommate, I would cancel plans because I felt like doing this other thing more. When talking to my roommate, I would only half listen because this other thing was on my mind and I was making it quite obvious. In general, I was being a very selfish person. And boy, did she let me know that. Ouch. I broke down from the weight of not being a good enough Christian or friend for that matter. But instead of turning my face to the Lord and surrender, I turned the other way. I made a resolve to myself that I would just stop practicing the parts of Christianity that told me to be Christ-like. I decided it was too hard to change parts of myself that were automatic. So I turned my face away, ignored the presence of the Lord, peeled off the Christian label, the undoing.
This intense separation only lasted for about two weeks before I came to my senses and started slowly creeping back. But those two weeks incurred ramifications that I still feel in some effect to this day. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I was sad all the time. I overthought all the time. I was anxious. At this same time, COVID became a thing. And then I transferred to Truman State University, where I was surrounded by incredible flute players. I was not the best anymore, to put it lightly. The small feelings that I wasn't enough from early childhood amplified to an immense and constant nagging of a voice in my head that constantly whispered things to me like, you are the worst flute player here. No one even wants you in their ensemble. Why did you say that just now? You sound so stupid. Don't ever do that again because it wasn't perfect. Who do you think you are? You are not good enough. You are not good enough. You are not good enough. The life was being sucked out of me as I drifted further and further away from the giver of life. I retreated from my personality because it didn't feel good enough. I retreated from educational opportunities because I didn't think I was good enough. I retreated from friendships and relationships because I didn't feel good enough. I was neatly digging myself a ditch in the ground for a place to sit as I strained my neck looking up at everyone who was better than me at everything in this high up land of the good. Only it wasn't neatly digging. It was me crying as I was digging with a small toy shovel with this voice yelling softly in my ear, dig deeper. Where is God in this? Is he here? I cry out into the void, can he hear? Logically, I know he does, but does my heart believe it? Lord, save me from the incessant voice in my mind. I joined a small group in spring 2021, my second semester here, that went through the topic of not feeling good enough, which was led by Julie Komar and Leah Carson. Naturally, it was a no-brainer for me to join. I was being told I don't need to be enough because Jesus is enough, but my mind was a brick wall in which hardly anything could get through to it. Throughout the small group, all I could muster up in response to the truths I was hearing was, okay, but what if I fail? Okay, but this doesn't change the fact that I still can't do this thing well. This little ditch I've been digging for myself, yeah, now I was heaping dirt on my head to close me in with no way out. Juggling the realities and pressures of needing to perform well with the concept of letting go and trusting in the peace of Jesus felt unattainable, impossible. Now this hasn't been a constant in my life at Truman. Through becoming more comfortable with my close ring of friends, Emily, Lillianne, and Maggie, I started to feel light again, more myself. I started going to iHouse events and making more friends and was more confident in who I was. As I grew closer to the Lord, I also felt an internal shift within myself and a silencing of that voice in my head. Two years ago, I went on this glorious trip that CCF puts on creatively called Spring Break. <laughs> Spring Break. <laughs> This is for all the graphic designers out there in the room. <laughs> oh. 
Comic Sans. <laughs> For those who don't know much about it, you basically get broken up into small groups to do some good old service projects. Mine was the Trailblazing Crew. Group number two, the Terrible Twos, we called ourselves. You guys, it was a tough week. It was so hard. Trailblazing is no joke. Hours of digging into dirt, and mind you, not soft dirt, with tools I literally just learned how to use, made for a week of pain and exhaustion, but also satisfaction. Despite the raw hands and sore shoulders, the knowledge that the work we were completing would last for generations to come and would be the trail that some people would experience the love of Christ on was enough to push forward. Throughout the week, our group leader kept nudging me to interview for a summer staff position and encouraged me by saying I was made of the stuff that he was looking for in his counselors. After just a short week, a strong connection to the camp came over me through the early morning spent in solitude with the horses and the manual labor that I contributed to the land. I could sense a future for myself. So I interviewed for position, applied, and got the spot. I was going to be a half counselor, half maintenance worker. <clears throat> Never mowed a lawn before in my life, but boy was I ready. <laughs> I went into the summer with an open mind, but left with more emotional baggage than I could have dreamed. Where almost everyone already knew each other going into the summer, my only friends were the buildings. Their familiarity was one of the only things that brought me comfort where everything felt so unstable around me. Within two days, I got a vibe of the camp through the way the other staffers interacted with each other. Here, I felt the pressure to perform, to be funny enough, to be entertaining enough, to be friendly enough, to be loud enough. You have to be hype for the kids! This rang in my ears all day long as I struggled to see how that fit in the way that I operated, which is very much not hype 24-7. One day, I was sitting in the staff lounge, listening and observing the people around me chatter. Suddenly, there was a lull in the conversation between two people, and the girl says to the guy across from her, do something, you're not entertaining me enough. <laughs> This little line that was probably said as a joke struck a chord with me. Wow, so people really do expect this from the people around them? That line cut me to the core and instilled in me a belief that I really am not enough for the people around me. If that guy wasn't entertaining enough for her, then golly, I must seem like a rock. Not even a cool looking one either. <laughs> Later that week, I called Emily, who was working at a different camp 11 hours away. I lived for these weekly calls from the local par Walmart parking lot. Finally, I could talk to someone with whom my soul feels rested. After telling her my worries of not feeling good enough for the people around me, I told her about the conversation I overheard earlier in the staff lounge and asked her if the culture at her camp was anything like it. Her reply? Um, well, right now, I am watching two people sing and play guitar to a turtle that is wearing an acorn hat. So no, not really. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> I mean, look at it! <laughs> Being hype enough, loud enough, and fun enough for my peers and my campers was constantly on my mind. At this point, this ideal that I thought others were looking for was an abstract concept that floated around in my mind that I was trying to chase. 
until it wasn't. One day, it became all too real and concrete. As a maintenance worker, I worked with campers in the leadership development program who were learning that being a leader also meant serving others. They worked in the kitchen, went around camp working trash duty, and did their fair share of trailblazing. And that is where I come in. I taught campers how to use tools and how to effectively trailblaze while overseeing the multiple trails we were working on. The campers counselor also joined us out on the trails. Now I know I cannot be friends with everybody and I know not everyone will like me. However, this particular counselor and I were not best buds to put it lightly. We operated on two very different systems of leadership and ideas of safety, which led to many disagreements being had. One day, he broke. He told me straight to my face the fears that had been welling up inside of me the whole summer. You are not furthering the goals of this camp. I have seen many maintenance workers come through this program and be able to build solid relationships with the campers, but you are just not doing that. You're a fun sponge. Do you really want that to be what they think of you? It's real. The whispers in my mind are real. They aren't just in my head. What was once abstract became concrete, and it was staring me right in the face. I couldn't ignore it. I am not enough. He said it plain as day. Land of the good. The sudden, very real, very tangible fear chained me to the ground, forever doomed to look up at those who can form fulfilling relationships with those around them. The repercussions from that summer have lingered. I came back to school in the fall, a shell of myself. I made sure to be one of the last to make it to small group in order to snag the last parking spot of Reed's driveway to ensure a speedy exit at the end to avoid idle small talk where others might become too disappointed in me for not entertaining them enough. I really want to wrap this up with a nice little bow for you all. Unfortunately, I cannot do that. I still struggle with this. I often do not feel as though I am a steady person and I don't like that feeling. I'm always fluctuating, trying to appease other people by changing who I am just so I can fit the bill of what that person thinks is enough. Am I smart enough? Quiet or loud enough? Gentle enough? Funny enough? Am I a good enough small group leader? Will I be enough for my students someday? Will this testimony be enough? Am I enough? Am I enough? As I was thinking about all these things in the shower, as one does, I was left with a simple question, who am I? And then I thought, that's silly, I'm 23, shouldn't I have this figured out by now? The incessant voice in my mind tells me. Who am I? Okay, let's go back to the basics that have been told to me since birth. I am a child of God. It's cheesy, I know. I believe there are no real cliches in Christianity, only underappreciated truths. So there's this thing called the Exodus. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it was a mighty work of God's hand that displayed his power, mercy, and reconciliation to the people of Israel. And it all started with a small glance to the side from one old man wandering in the wilderness. 
The Lord asked for his attention, and he gave it. The Lord asked of him a seemingly impossible task, to go tell Pharaoh, that dude that the old man used to live with, but then who tried to murder him, yeah, that guy, tell him that you're going to take this large mass of people and just leave. But the old man said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Even one of the greatest leaders and prophets of the faith couldn't help but sit himself down and look up to the land of the good. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else, someone who can actually talk coherently. I am not enough like those people are. Send one of them. Moses, was it not I that made you? I imagine that the Lord speaks this with tears in his eyes and a sinking hole in his stomach. Have you ever had a friend confide in you with all they are insecure about as you sit there in silence and your heart hits a pit for the grief of all that goes unnoticed by them? All the qualities that they are blind to because their gaze is fixed on the people of the land of the good who are seemingly prettier, smarter, more articulate, faster, more intelligent. But you see them there sitting small in the front seat of their car the whole of who they are in all of God's glory, and you ache for them, for all that they do not see in themselves. I imagine that is what the Lord feels with such an added nuance that we cannot even comprehend when we verbally desecrate his, con his creation with the words, I am not enough. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. His all-seeing, all-searching eyes see us in the ditch we have dug for ourselves as we lay crumbled up in a ball and tied to the earth below us as our eyes are glued to the sky watching the dancing beings sing together in harmony. The Lord is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He does not react harshly to my criticism of his own creation. He abounds in steadfast love towards me as I say, I am not enough. He bends down to the ground and gets his knees dirty as he gently brushes the dirt off of my face and body, breaks the chains that I have set for myself, averts my gaze from the sky, and lets me fall into his embrace as the beings in the sky dissipate into dust that eventually fall to the ground like the dew in the early morning. I imagine he breaks our embrace, and with his hand he frames my face looking intently at me, and with a hushed voice says, But my life-giving breath is in you. I made you. You are who I made you to be in this moment. To be anything more or less would be a lie. 
Tivor said at our first Sunday meeting of the semester that we can live our life in fear or in love. To put it quite plainly, I have been living in waves of such intense fear that I have been blind to the love and acceptance that Christ and other people have for me. In choosing to live in love, I step out of my ditch and focus my gaze on the horizon straight ahead where reality is. I am who he says I am. My value comes not from what I do or how I am, but from who he is. I am his. In the secret place of my inmost being, I do not have to be anybody else. He sees me raw, no facades and no walls. I don't have to pretend to be good enough for my maker, I just am. The beauty of this love story is that I will never be enough to reach the land of the good while on this earth, yet I am loved as though the very ground I walk on is made of wispy little clouds. I sit in the limbo of not ever being enough while on this earth, and yet being wholly righteous and accepted through Jesus' covering over me. So no, I am not enough. But my maker is, and that is enough. Jesus, you are the beloved. Jesus, we are the beloved. Jesus, I am the beloved. Would you pray with me? Lord, I am sorry for not putting my trust in you. Thank you for your response of mercy and steadfast love to us when we ignorantly desecrate your creation almost every day. Lord, you know each and every heart here. You know our strivings. Tear down our visions of the land of the good so we are able to live in the love and lightness of your presence. Amen.